listen to some of these names, right? right. Ali, Tyson, Chavez, Bruce Lee, GSP, Boss Rutan, Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, Clemente, Dr. J, Shaq, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, even my cup of tea, the pro wrestling side with Andre the Giant, Bret Hart, and Rey Mysterio. You don't get more iconic than those names right there, brother. If, if you didn't already know, Roots of Fight not only makes clothes that feel and look great, they do so while celebrating some of the most legendary figures in all of sports history. And they just added, Brian Campbell, special Thrilla in Manila shirts, sweatshirts, and jackets celebrating probably the best trilogy ever between Ali and Frazier. And for our morning combat fans, we have 20% off. Yes, just go to rootsoffight.com right now and enter in this promo code MORNING20 and you will get your hands on really some of the coolest shirts, hoodies, and jackets that you've ever seen. Don't be a donk. Outfit yourself. One more time, go to the Roots of Fight website. Use the promo code MORNING20. MORNING, the number two, the number zero. MORNING20. Code is valid today through the 15th. Cannot be combined with other promotions. And save 20% off your awesome Roots of Fight order. And tell them Big Luke sent you. It is Friday, November 1st, 2019, and this is a, I don't know what you want to call this, a special Friday edition roundtable of Morning Combat. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. I am joined by a special edition here. One of us is cooler than the rest of us by the look of the picture. Uh, stop, let's stop. Go, I know, Chuck. It's you. <laughs> let's go around the roundtable. As I mentioned, my name is Luke Thomas from SiriusXM, as well as uh, here on uh, Morning Combat, all the good stuff. This is Chuck Mindenhall of The Athletic. Are you anywhere else these days? I can never keep Athletic. up. Athletic. All right. Yep. And then at the end of the table, Brian Campbell. No, wait a second. That's not Brian Campbell. That's Aljamain <laughs> Sterling, UFC bantamweight, who is going to grace us here with his insight, as well as his knowledge and presence. Uh, Aljamain, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. It's a beautiful Friday morning. Yeah. It is, you know what? It was 70 yesterday. It's a crisp 50 outside. Yeah. I was feeling it this morning. I got up kind of early. Now, before we get going here, let's talk about you real quickly. I want to talk about UFC 244. I want to get into every aspect of it. The big fights are tomorrow. First, Aljamain, why don't you show the folks your cast, if you can. You and I talked about this on my radio show, but for <laughs> folks who may not have heard... There it is. What happened to your thumb, wrist? What ha- what's the situation? It's the actual wrist. I uh, tore the ligament. I thought it was two years ago, but I actually looked at some of my pictures, and uh, I saw when I had all the tape all over my hand, and that's when it was hurting me, and that was four years ago. So I, it happened in training. Uh, slight tear, got checked out, x-ray. They said eventually I'm going to need to get it taken care of, but I asked the guy, can I just keep training until like, I can't no more? He said, yeah, eventually you're going to have to address it. And uh, I was supposed to actually fight Frankie Yeager, mm-hmm. Tomorrow, right? You know, but it's so God, crazy. that would have been a great yeah. fight. Yeah, man. it would have been nuts. But then it got to the point; it got so bad from after each fight. I couldn't do any more handstands. Lifting weights was becoming a problem. My wrists wouldn't hold up to hold the dumbbells. Anything past twenty-five pounds, Oof. and then showering, I was cramping and was oh, just man. filled the bone-on-bone arthritic pains. And I was like, dude, this is not. I can't fight Frankie Edgar yeah. like this. Yeah. So Maybe some other guy. Yeah. So what's the, <laughs> so what's the prognosis? Uh, they said. Uh, two and a half months. I guess the New York Giants doctor is the one he does all the guys over there. So the he, orthopedic surgeon there, yeah. Yeah, from uh, HSS. So okay. he's, he took care of me. He said two and a half months, ten weeks. Um, he told me if I leave it a little, a little bit longer, the pins, because I still have four pins in my wrist, then um, it'll be take it'll give it a better yeah. chance of healing and taking better, just because the damage was so just severe. 
Now, obviously, taking care of your health is a priority. That is how you make your money. Still, I wonder, having seen all the hoopla happening now, knowing that UFC 244 is tomorrow, and you would have had a great opponent against Frank Yeager, I don't mean to rub the salt in the wound, per se, <laughs> yeah. but I'm wondering your feelings now. You still, I mean, look, you're still going to get a big fight when you come back. I just still, thinking about what could have been for tomorrow can be easy, huh? No, not at all. It would have been a great opportunity for myself to fight a legend yeah. like Frankie Yeager and get that feather in my cap. You know, that would have been that would have been something to to show the grandkids and everything like that. But uh, it is what it is. I'm just watching the whole bantamweight division kind of play out, and it is kind of crazy right now. So I'm not really sure what they're gonna do with everybody. Yeah. I saw the Marlon Marais matchup with Jose Aldo coming down, right. who struggled to make weight at 45. I'm just saying. I was there that in 2011 against yeah. Mark Hominick. Yep. A couple of times he was complaining about yeah. the weight cut. So let's see how he does. Maybe he's, he's got the uh, extra TJ supplements that he could get down to <laughs> Here we go. 135. You are an <laughs> excellent <laughs> fit for morning combat, Algerine Sterling. I have noticed this right saying. away. Um, so real quickly, we're going to go to you, Chuck, in just all a right. minute. But you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. I want to get his perspective, okay. and we'll build off of that. The BMF title. So every fighter I talk to, some like it, some don't, some think it's cool, some think it's corny, some like the idea, they don't like the idea of having a belt. On the whole BMF side, where do you come down? So here's my thing with that. I feel like this could be a subtle way of Dana White potentially introducing the 165-pound weight class. That's what I was thinking. I was like, because these guys are relatively the same size, like 4 to 55. They complained about the weight cut for them to be... That happy med- uh, medium. This is mm-hmm. what other better fight is there for that type of matchup? You know, um, I like it. I think the the whole title, the whole essence behind it, the aura. I think if you don't like that as a fighter or as a fellow fighter, something's a little off with you. Because what are you hating on? You know, because it's not you. I mean, I don't know if they're getting a pay bump or, um, per se, like a a championship title fight. If I were in an interim or uh, a full on title fight, mm-hmm. I would get a big significant pay bump. So I don't know if it's something like that, but it's still something they can kind of negotiate. I yeah. mean, I would like to hold the, the BMF belt. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you want there to be a bantamweight BMF title? I'm, I'm down for it. Down for the cause. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, look, Chuck, here's what I was thinking about. I wonder what you, what you right. make of this. The more I think about it, so um, it's funny, you know, what do Kamaru and Colby keep saying, and, and other fighters too, but these are the ones relevant to the weight class because it's 170. Yeah. They keep saying, I'm the real BMF. Even this morning, I saw Colby on Instagram. I'm the real BMF. I'm flying into New York City because uh-huh. it's a presser tonight. <laughs> you know what's funny? The BMF title to me between Diaz and Masvidal is a rejection of everything mm-hmm. UFC 245 is about, which is to say the following. If you talk to those guys, and even if you watch them fight, for example, Diaz took down Pettis at UFC whatever it was, 242 or 1. I uh, can't remember anymore. But the point being is it's a rejection of this control position style of fighting. Now, I'm not here to weigh in on the merits of it. Obviously, it's very successful. That's why you got guys like Kamaru and Colby in that 245 main event fighting for the title. And I also think it's a little bit unfair to call them just control position guys. Nevertheless, though, there is something to the idea of, I'm going to wrestle a little bit, but I'm going to mix it up with everything else. Yes, these guys have cults of personality, Chuck, but people seem to be missing the idea that this is about a different kind of fighting, too, isn't it? And that's the strange part about a novelty, right? Because this particular fight, and if you think about the UFC in general, what are you getting? You're getting multiple disciplines. One could neutralize another one. Another guy could take away a guy's weakness. It's all that. This fight is the first time we've had a strange set of expectations placed on it, right? Like this becomes, if, if Masvidal goes in there and tries to out-wrestle uh, you know, Diaz in this fight, it's a fiasco. The whole thing is a fiasco. They can't do that. There's an expectation with this fight that's the strangest part to digest. It's like it's out of the norm. It, it breaks the paradigm of what the UFC is all about. 
it's more honed in, and obviously these guys have to deliver on a level that you wouldn't get in a typical UFC fight. So to me, that is the strangest thing, and I agree with you 100% that it's almost an indictment on the, the, uh, the UFC 245 main event. Doesn't that change the fight? Like, for example, yeah. if I told you, couldn't Jorge Masvidal just jab, leg, kick, and circle and win? He probably could, right? He could. But, dude, if he does that, he's going to get booed out of the fucking building. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he, they kind of yeah. built it up for that. I mean, it wasn't him who started it. <laughs> You know, but yeah. uh, if he, he if they don't deliver, like you said, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big problem and a lot of backlash. And you can expect Kamaru Usman and Kobe <laughs> Covington to come out of their faces full force against those guys. So how do you how does that change the fight in your mind? Like, does it change? Okay, let me ask you this then: Which way are you leaning? And given that there are certain constraints on how they can fight, who does that favor? I would think. That's better for Diaz, I would think. That's how I feel. I think he's, he's been more tested with those tough fights, bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, Masvidal's more, he's got that swag. He's more smooth. He's going to just finish <laughs> the fight and get done, or it's going to be a split decision loss. He's, he's always been in that, that weird bubble, that weird yeah. mix. But of late, he's been putting guys away. So I think he's gonna, he might fall in love with that too much, this whole baptism yeah. thing that he keeps talking about, <laughs> which is hysterical. But... Uh, I think uh, this could go one of two ways, man. I think uh, I think Diaz is gonna. I th- I think Diaz is gonna take it. I think if he tries really to go super exciting, I think it leaves a lot of openings for a guy like Diaz to thrive, especially in a five round fight. Here's the other part too. And I'll leave it to the table. Whoever wants to jump on this one, which is people always talk about Diaz like, oh, he figured out the uh, the side of the game that was the promotional side, mm-hmm. and I suppose that he did. Right here he is. I mean, they conjured up a fake title <laughs> for this fight. That's that's yeah. that's pulling some strings. On the other hand, though, it's like when he picked Pettis. Like, dude, he picked Pettis because he thought he could win. Yeah. He didn't pick Masvidal because he thought he could lose. Now, maybe he's miscalculating, but don't you think part of this is Diaz going, huh, if I can put certain measures in place, not official rules, but unwritten ones, and I can get a guy who takes risk, and I can fight in a five-round fight, I, dude, it's what Mayweather does. Yeah. Yeah. Mayweather finds guys, he's like, I'm going to get Canelo <laughs> at 150 just before his prime. I'm going to get... I'm going to get Cotto mm-hmm. just just after all those wars with Margarito and blah, 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 blah. He gets it just the right time. Is he, is he on to something here? I think so. I mean, the bottom line is he's kind of been this guy the whole way. He had a three-year hiatus, essentially, I think, in part because he didn't want to play the game, right? He's making the UFC kind of play his game. That's the strange giving in. And I would say the charming part of this novelty is the fact that Diaz actually is getting his due and he's kind of getting his... You know, whatever he's after in this sport. He says he has no, he doesn't really want to fight for a title. You know, he keeps bad mouthing in terms of like, um, you know, the, the, the stuff that comes with being a title hold, not being real and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is just kind of him carving out his own thing after all these years. And it feels like it was all heading somewhere because the UFC finally kind of adhered to him and is, and is basically admitting that he's the needle mover and all that stuff. So, yeah, I feel like he's kind of getting. I feel like he's kind of getting by with one here a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I I like the whole thing, the whole idea, everything he's doing, building it up the same way. And like you said, picking the matchups that he knows, or at least he feels he can win for sure. The Pettis matchup, I thought it was tailor made for him if he could keep the constant pressure. He did that. Mm-hmm. Now with this one, I, it's a different animal. It's a different animal, and uh, I do believe there is some truth behind what he said. Yeah. Uh, there's no more real guys in the game. It's just <laughs> a lot of people who come in, they fabricate stuff, and they get to the top really quick. Usman's not one of those guys. He took the long path to the title, yeah. you know. So they made him fight everybody just because uh, was he considered a boring fighter per the UFC? Um, I will admit he's not the most exciting guy to watch, <laughs> but I do watch him because I love the yeah, sport, you know. So I understand that, and I understand both Jorge's uh, point of view and 
uh, Nate's point of view when they're talking about go out there and just trying to survive and hugging another man's leg for the 15 or <laughs> Crotch sniffer, I believe, yeah, is the term. Is the term. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I empathize with those, those guys on, on that part yeah. for sure. So I, I get it. Uh, honestly, at the end of the day, it's brilliant. He's getting paid. And I think those two guys are so badass that they're finally getting the recognition that they deserve for being in the game for so long and spilling a ton of blood of their own and others. In the you know what's interesting to me is like I remember covering when uh, when uh, Jorge fought your teammate Ali Quinta in yeah. Fairfax, Virginia, a famous post fight reaction <laughs> oh, from your teammate. You gotta boo me. <laughs> um, but I remember I, I I never forget this. I asked Jorge about this yesterday at the, at the media day, which was the uh, the media day for that one or the work, old workouts. It was in a UFC gym in the suburbs somewhere, like you know BFE nowhere, Virginia. <laughs> And no one really knew who he was. There was actually more Latin media there to talk to Jorge than uh, regular media. And I asked him, like, you know, don't you feel, did you ever feel like this was never going to happen for you? And he all he has a sort of a weird answer. You know what I've noticed? Someone was asking me about the ESPN storytelling. Mm-hmm. I have to say, ESPN storytelling is very good. Yeah. yeah. It's much better than Fox, but it's more than that because, dude, Jorge Masvidal's been around. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, really, he's here. Surfing off of two wins. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's more than that. It's the whole background. It's the whole I mean, in March, thing. he was. Riding a two-fight losing streak, he right. might have been on the way. And he, and he lost, kind of, dude. He lost convincingly yeah. to Wonder Boy. It wasn't close. But this is my point. It's not really that ESPN does better storytelling. It's that if you can get to a higher level of the game, the people who will yeah. tell your story on your behalf opens up yeah. dramatically. <laughs> people are just now, including me, getting to know Jorge. I didn't know Jorge at that open workout, and I was there. Sure. I watched him. It is only when you get to these super elevated positions. Right. That all of these different people like, like if you, he's not on Dan Lepetard show and he's like giving you that story about the the Cuban raft, his father and his you know right. his friend and all that stuff. If you're not getting that information, I don't even know how. How do you even know to ask him about that sort of thing? So it makes you wonder how many stories are not being told. Like how oh, much sorry. do I really know about you? I've, I've interacted with you years. I don't. I can't. Do I, do I, can I say I really know you all that well? I probably can. I mean, I don't. You're not a stranger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You know like, you live uh, in New York. did you know Jorge? <laughs> yeah. Did you know Jorge? Nate has kind of been a bit of an open book. Has yeah. had a long storied career, a little bit more with the public facing yeah. side. But Jorge's just kind of been there, and all of a sudden, bam! And now it feels like yeah, his personality sprung out. Like don't, you, don't like, you feel like you know Jorge better now in the last year than you ever have? Oh, 100 percent. I just knew him as the the backyard street fighting guy, the guy yeah. that just kicked ass, you know, with the long hair, the ponytail guy, you know. And even now, <laughs> he's back now as as uh, Street Jesus. Street Jesus. So hey, Seuss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So even. I think now he's starting to play the game himself. I know before he was mm-hmm. very like anti uh, interviews, and I'm not saying like he wouldn't do interviews, but he wasn't really looking for press to really get his name out there. He just True. wanted to show up, fight, collect his paycheck, and get up, get up out of there and go back home to his family. And I respect it, but now I think he's starting to realize like, oh man, yeah. wow, the light bulb came on for him. It was like, man, if I was doing this all along, I probably could have been here so much yeah. faster mm. and really, really making enough money where he didn't have to go do the. I forgot what that thing was called. The ex. Exactalon or something like that. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes. I can't pronounce yeah. it. It's My girlfriend's ex- yeah. brother, um, parents watch it all <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife as well. It's, it's, it's a weird show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, what is it? Uh, it's like uh, American Gladiators in Spanish or something, but yeah. it's Pretty not much. even that. It's like real world versus road rules. It's a bunch of donks doing challenges. Real quick, I want to make sure I get this in and don't forget. Roots of Fight is a wonderful sponsor for the show. Look at this one. Greatest versus the Dragon. Ali versus Lee. Now, it's not a real fight that happened, of course. But if you want the T-shirt, hold on, here we go. If you want the T-shirt, can't figure out which way to go. There we go. If you want the T-shirt, uh, you can get it for 20% off. You can get all Roots of Fight gear, 20% off. Use the code 
morning 20 to get shirts like this. Are you wearing one? I am wearing one. Look Muhammad at that, Ali. Muhammad Ali. Right? So I'm not wearing one, but uh, we got a bunch. I'll have more to show throughout the course of the show, but I want to make sure I get that in. Um, okay, last thing on this. Do you take, you know, Nate's rise to the UFC is like anti-heroes, a little bit different than Jorge's. Jorge's not exactly an anti-hero. Like I was saying this too, we always talk about like, oh, Nate was underpromoted. Nate was underpromoted. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jorge was underpromoted too, but he didn't have these like squabbles with UFC management in a very public way. Yeah. So it never got brought to the forefront. You know, Nate's been battling with him yeah. since... Before the RDA fight, you know, a long, long time. Um, do you take any lessons from them about how to make your way through the organization? 100%. I mean, I've been taking notes from even Chell Sonnen back in the days, you know. It's just... Give me a change you you're, you either made or you're thinking about or like something I'm even thinking different. about even adding something new to, to the whole Funk Master persona. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about building a character, developing a character that people can relate to, can either hate or love, you know. So when you have those elements, it's... Yes, yeah, it's... it's it's sport, but at the end of the day, this is sport entertainment. So you got to kind of balance those two. And um, at the end of the day, you can do all the shenanigans that you want. If your ass can't fight, your ass can't fucking fight. So yeah. you better be able to back <laughs> that shit up. You know, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I still think that he came through in his biggest. And you, you I don't know if you'd agree with this. In that Edwards moment backstage, I feel like everything that he'd preached Masvidal. beforehand, yes, Masvidal, everything <clears> he'd <throat> preached beforehand had almost been on deaf ears through this fight game. You know it, and I know it. Nobody was really paying attention to him. Everybody knew him as kind of the street brawler from back in Miami in the day. But when that happened, it's almost like it clicked that he really is that guy. Yeah. And then it set up that premise with Askren, of course. It's a perfect storm. And then when he delivers that, you're just like, it enhances that effect of what we saw from the backstage guy. He's on and a so, fight win streak, by the way. Yeah. Who? Um, That's true. Because of the Edwards? He's got the Edwards. You. I'm just joking, Edwards. I'm just joking. You. Uh, Yeah. And certainly, you know, it's funny, though. Did you guys watch those things, uh, that video series that um, Masvidal produced for himself, the Diaries of a Street Fighter? Yeah. We got this guy, Genghis Khan, who used to do all these, like, highlight reels back in the old Pride days and put them on uh, MixedMartialArts.com, the old old underground forum. you know what's funny? He actually left out the Leon Edwards part. Did he? Did you see that? Interesting. He didn't tell that because he doesn't want to give that guy any That's shine at all. And to just me, like it's on like, that media call when he's like, don't mention the names or I'll, I'll hang up. Yeah. He's basically like, don't mention their names, I don't want to give them any love. Did you hear that? Like if, yeah. you, had, if you asked him, like, hey, what about Leon Edwards? Click. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, to me, the answer is, you know, guys can tell their own story yeah. the way they want. Like it's, it's his YouTube, you can do it that way. It does leave out something. He left out the three piece in the soda line. Like yeah. it all just kind of crystallized for everyone, like, oh my God. This is an interesting moment. And that's you mentioned about the self-promotion. Like, obviously, it's very expensive to hire Genghis Khan Productions mm-hmm. to yeah. do your thing. Dude, that has, like, UFC doesn't yeah. do stuff like that. You want to talk about True. incapable storytelling? Tyron Woodley does the Champ Camp. Yeah. Chael owns YouTube. It seems to me like YouTube has been, like, a really underutilized thing. Yeah, it's true. But for fighters, do you have your own YouTube channel? I do. Yeah? I'm finally just now getting it, like, up and running with my own stuff. I do a lot of like self-vlogging things, but mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to do that. Obviously, when you're hitting pads or you're sparring, so right. Um, like you said, it's tough to hire uh, good people who could come around and really produce some solid quality content that I would actually yeah. approve of. You know, certainly a next step for you there. Uh, last thing about this, people keep asking me, and the answer is, I tend to believe the UFC <laughs> on this one, but one never knows. Will they continue the BMF title? <laughs> Should they continue it? What do you think? I hope so. Yeah, I want to fight for it. <laughs> There's a lot of people like an open weight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. That's that was my whole thing. I'm like, is this going to be an open weight class right. kind of thing, or like uh, the BMF title at maybe maybe 45? it's like a baton. It just kind of goes through. It goes back down, so yeah. down away, goes back up. 
What do you um, think? I, I think it you know remains to be seen only because this could be a bad experiment in the end. It really could be. I mean, that's just the way the UFC, that's the way MMA is. You know, some things have these intentions. This, this has such a different feel to it. I feel like because fighter, I've heard so many fighters kind of talking about it, it's almost like it's, it's organically become something on its own. I could see them, if, as long as the fight lives up to expectations and uh, they make kind of a big deal, you've got The Rock in there kind of presenting and all that stuff, as long as that kind of all comes across, I feel like they, I, I don't see why they wouldn't continue. I think all these guys hating on it, I'm not to say that are not fair objections to it because, you know, you saw, who was it, Lomachenko this week became yeah. like the WBC franchise champion. What the fuck is a franchise <laughs> champion? No idea. That's something yeah. you give to somebody who works in fast food or something. <laughs> I don't even know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, so man. it was just these weird things. You don't want to go down that title where you're just handing, or that road where you're just handing out these manufactured yeah. titles. On the other hand, let's say Nate gets it and he's got the sunglasses on at the post-fight presser and he's got the belt with him. It's and true. a joint. And yeah. the joint and the whole thing. Yeah. You mean to tell me fighters aren't going to covet what he has? Absolutely. That man. sounds insane to me that yeah. people aren't going to want that. So it's a question of, I think, how each guy, depending on how they win, ultimately uses it and then parades True. it. It's going to be interesting to see. Last thing on this, what do we think? 244 sells more pay-per-view buys than 245? It's <sighs> title fights. It's different. I, it's different. I think it does. You want, Tell me why. I think that this this particular uh, fight card, given the the you know the main event, has a bigger presence in the casual sense. Like I think the people who are not diehards will probably tune in for this one a little bit. Whereas the other one, I feel like, will be more of a diehard affair. The other one's more of a grudge match, though. True. I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's tough. I, I, I right now though, that would be my gut instinct. I think that this one, man. I mean, just. At UFC 241, I was kind of shocked because I wasn't sure in what form Diaz would return as fanfare, but it was ridiculous. I felt like it was. Were you there? Did were you there yeah, I was the there. It was just ridiculous. The feel and the building, the way you know, he showed up for only one real press event, and it was like it was viral within seconds. You know what I mean? I just feel like the guy, he's there. You know what I mean? I think it'll kind of prove itself this weekend. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Um, but at the same time, I do think with the grudge match, I do think people want to finally see if Kobe gets shut up or. But then, yeah, Masvidal and Diaz. That's a different. It's, it's yeah. a different. It's a fighter's fighter. It's um, the people are going to be more willing to want to watch those type of guys. So I do agree with that. It's 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 tough, man. Yeah. It's really tough for me to be like, oh, this is going to sell for sure. Because again, three title fights. Who's it? Uh, Valentina. It's uh, no, it's uh, Amanda Nunes. A Nunes. She's defending, and then Volkanovski and uh, Max, mm. and then of course Kamaru and Colby. Yeah, They're all quiet way. though, yeah. except for that one. Main, the main event. Yeah. Like, the other ones are just kind of quiet title fights. Yeah, Max's is very quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I think having three title fights on the line should yeah, help just... sway the numbers in like past the five hundred thousand threshold. I would think. I mean, I would hope so. You got yeah. three title fights. I mean, those guys better be pulling in those numbers. The only I thing we'll I would find say is out, it, right for Colby. Yeah, like, we find out. Does he have that? Or you know, not? it's funny. I, I I think Colby pulls way more than people. Yeah, yeah credit for. He pulls way more than his detractors were ever willing right. to admit. On the other hand, you always have to say if Diaz and Masvidal, if they had the same rivalry that mm-hmm. Kamaru and Colby had, dude, this would be yeah, an I think absolutely right. huge. It mega could blow fight. up still. You know, there's time, obviously. After this, oh, yeah. we'll see kind of how Colby handles it. It's his big moment, right? I mean, I feel like this is his time. He kind of, at UFC 235, he kind of showed up, remember, the megaphone and his, his political yeah. stuff, and he kind <laughs> of took the spotlight off of the, the fighters that time, which was kind of crazy because there was a lot of title fights on that one. But uh, I feel like we'll, we'll kind of get a good sense of how, how masterful he can play this game. You know what I mean? So let's transition. You have something else you want to No, no. He's, I guess he's supposed to be here for... The, uh, the presser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today, so. this afternoon. 
We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So we got be... Trump in the building. going to have Colby in the building. It's going to be. Yeah. Well, but is Trump going to get booed or no? What do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good... I, think, I, think, <laughs> I, I think it'll be mixed. Because, really? Yeah. We, well, because New York is a blue New... state. Yeah. But, you know, MMA is kind of MAGA. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, so yeah. it'll be like, he'll get booed. He'll we'll get see. cheered. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be booze. We'll... You think so? Yeah. We'll see. Right, it'll be interesting, should to, be like it'll be interesting a, to find out. One way or the other. So then we go now to the co-main event, or, you know, such as you can call it that, the Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till fight. I don't know if you guys saw the weigh-ins this morning. Darren Till made weight, mm-hmm. 186, looked awesome. Had abs, smile on his face. Didn't, you know, look like he was cutting weight, but not any kind of severe sense. And this poor bastard had to deal with all the travel issues. Yeah. Didn't get here till yesterday, of all places. Crazy, yeah. Couldn't settle into a rhythm. If that were you, and you were going, now he's going up a weight class, but still, that's probably a weight class you should have been at a long time anyway. To not be able to settle into fight week until the day before an early weigh-in, how hard would that be as a fighter? It would be, I think that would be pretty difficult. I mean, you, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't let it phase you. You got to try to talk yourself out of that to not mm-hmm. let it affect you whatsoever. But that's pretty hard to do when you have to, especially for myself, I cut a ton of weight. But again, he did go up a weight class. So hopefully the weight cut wasn't too severe as it was before, which it didn't look like it was. So I, I'm interested to see how it plays out and against him. But I do think that would bother me for sure. I think... You have to acclimate. He's coming from a, what five miles, five hours away. Yeah, five six Liverpool. Six, yeah. yeah, so he's got a he's got quite a ways to yeah, travel. Yeah, that's a Get adjusted in a, in a day. I'm like, that's pretty tough. Yeah, to with do. the time zones, right? Yeah. On the other hand, though, you know, he's coming off those two terrible losses, right? Tyron whooped him, and then so did right. Jorge. He didn't have to answer for anything. Exactly. Did he? That's what I was thinking too. Kel- he kind of Kel- skipped, Kelvin all, had he to skipped all the he- the hell part of having to go through his weight cut or whatever, however much he was going to cut, and do media, which I always think would would be the worst part of it. He kind of got out of that part of it. So if there's a if there is a silver lining, I feel like it's that. Did you talk to Kelvin Gastelum yesterday? I did not. No, uh, I did for a little while. I got the read that he was super annoyed with everything. Yeah. Can you imagine in the, from in his the se- in the sense that like is he a pro? He's a pro, right? He just dealt with it. Yeah. But you could tell having to answer for himself and then having to answer for Darren because there's no one to ask Darren <laughs> questions. So they're going to ask questions about Darren to Kelvin. <laughs> You could tell it was wearing on and a little bit. asking questions before we knew for sure if Till was going to be in there about a third party jumping in and having to face this guy. Like right. I mean, there was, a, was just so many sideline right. factors. So Jared Cannonier, by the way, was the only one who missed weight. I know. Um, the, well, I think he started eating as soon as he yeah. felt like the fight was on. In any, in any, in any <laughs> event, though, what do you make of this matchup here? It, to me, it's like, look, I don't like doing predictions because I feel like you can do predictions in MMA, but it requires a lot of scholarship each time. Um, <clears throat> This is a tough fight for Darren Till, man. The weight class, it was funny. I asked Kelvin, I was like, where does Till rank in the terms of the size of middleweights you've faced? He was like, he's one of the smaller middleweights I've ever faced. Like, compared to Chris Weidman, your teammate? Yeah. How big is he? He ain't that big. He ain't, he's not Chris Weidman's size. Not Chris Weidman ultimately beat Kelvin Gastelum. But, you know, Kelvin was competitive with him early, certainly in the stand-up department. Yeah. He seems to think he's been one of the smaller ones. Now, there is a height differential, which makes mm-hmm. the clinch kind of interesting, especially for a Muay Thai guy. But coming off those two losses, man... You know, this one, and we'll talk about the Kevin Lee and, and the, the Gillespie fight. Mm-hmm. Dude, these are fights that would not happen in boxing, and they're happening here. Yeah. What do you think are the challenges for both guys in this particular contest? Well, Darren Till going up a weight class, seeing how he's going to do with that. But the same thing with, that he said about Darren Till, um, Gaslam's also on the same side of uh, 185. He wasn't the biggest 185-pounder. He's not very tall. He used to be a 70-pounder. True. Just had troubles making weight. The same thing as Darren Till, but Darren Till's got the bigger size and the bigger frame. The one thing I will say is, Gaslam typically drops everybody that he fights. So that oh, could be a, punch. 
Yeah. Uh, what is it? The overhand left or the straight left? Yeah, he's a southpaw. That's yeah. right. And, and the head kick. Remember, he rocked yeah. Adesanya with it. Yeah. But he, I thought he dropped him with the hands, though. With uh, he, no, he rocked him with the head kick. Oh, okay. He, he hurt him with the hands and then hit him with the head kick, and that's when he did the stumble against the fence. And then Gastelum shot for the takedown. We're yeah. like, mm. okay. But anyway. yeah, I, yeah, I thought he dropped him in the first round with... Uh, with oh, he might have, yes. Yeah. But it was... Yeah, you're right. Okay. And then uh, I know it went back and forth. But... um. Yeah, when I said, well, look at that, I'm like, he's really fast because mm-hmm. he's the lighter guy. He's going to be able to hop in and out. Uh, he has a really good fight style where he's kind of on his toes and he's very kind of like just relaxed and that uh, Rafael Cadero style. I'm, I'm very interested to see how he applies his wrestling, if he does, or if he just trusts in his hands and his speed to, to uh, take out a, a very tough Darren Till. And I think him not cutting all that weight yeah. gives him a better chin. But I don't know how hard he spars. I don't know if he gave his brain time to recover from the last two knockouts. Um, well, he got knocked out by Jorge and, oh, and uh, Woodley. Yeah, Woodley. Yeah. Woodley well, it was one-sided. Knockout, but yeah. it was, he got oh, dropped hard. Yeah. yeah, and it was a lot of concussive blows. So right. I don't know if he gave his body the proper time to heal. And that's a very big thing. I think people kind of underestimate that, giving your body and your brain time to recover so that you can have some longevity in your career, especially for the next fight. Yeah, what do you think? It's a tough ask, man. It's a tough ask for, for Till to go in there against a guy like Gastelum, who Weidman is the only guy who's really definitively finished him. His other, his other losses are split decisions. They're, like, they're very close fights. He's just such a tough out. He's the definition of a tough out, like for a guy who should beat him or something like that. And he just, I feel like he's heavily slept on all the time, Kevin Gastelum. But this is the one time where you see a fight and you're like, ooh, what is, why is Darren Till going? Like, if he's going to move, why didn't he go with somebody a little bit, you know, ease into that weight class a little bit? I just feel yeah. like it's a very tough ask. If he shines through it, it's going to look great for him. And he can kind of like, uh, I don't know, you know, you kind of do the musical chairs where you take a spot in the pecking order type thing. Yeah. But man, if he loses, I just, I, it'll feel a little bit unnecessary to make that leap. You know what I can never tell with MMA? Because it is a different sport, obviously. But here's what I mean. I can never tell if MMA is slowly learning that boxing was right all along about ways. <laughs> I feel like they are. Or, <laughs> or, or if, we, if, if we are allowed to do things yeah. differently. You know, I can never really tell which way. Because to me, it's like if Kevin Lee, we'll talk about it in a second, but if Kevin Lee loses yeah. in a fight he did not have to take, and yes, Till has a, like Kevin Lee and Gillespie are not equivalent to Till and Gastelum, because if Till beats Gastelum, he rockets to the top yeah, of the of uh, rankings in a way where, I mean, they don't have anyone for Israel to fight. The, I don't think it's I don't think it's likely he gets the Adesanya fight, but I don't think it's impossible either. That'd be um, crazy. <laughs> Kevin Lee would not be in that particular situation. But suffice to say, it's like, dude, they like what is? I asked Kevin Lee this yesterday. Like, what is so bad about a tune-up fight, man? And in the UFC, there's not many tune-up fights. What did he fights. say? Though? I, he goes nothing. I just don't yeah. want one. Hmm. Why, why don't MMA fighters? Again, I realize in UFC there's not many tune-ups. Like there's not many easy fights. Yeah, I get that. But he didn't have to take Gillespie, and Dana even said, "We don't. You don't have to fight uh, Gastelum." And yet here we are. What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know when I came off my two fight losing streak, uh, and even that, it was the it was actually the loss to Marlon. After the loss to Marlon, I I wanted to get someone within the top five to mm-hmm. kind of bounce back, and they kind of just told me like, "No." So it's, it's kind of funny hearing it on this side where hmm. you know he opted not to take the tune-up fight, as we would call it. But, again, there's no easy fight in the UFC. Once you're there, you better be ready to take on all challenges. But at the same time, there are guys who are a little bit further down the totem pole that he could have probably fought just to get back in the win column, uh, prove that he's still a dominant force, and give him back a little bit of that confidence that he used to have, that little bit of that swag. I think uh, he was riding his horse pretty high. He lost to Tony Ferguson, had a really good run against him, had him in mount. It looked like he was going to get him out of there, even with the staff infection. 
And then he came up short, ran into Ally Quinta once again. He thought he was feeling himself mm-hmm. a little too much. And again, Al took that thunder away from him. And uh, RDA fight. And then the RDA fight, I thought he kind of just misused his um, his strategy was kind of misguided. I think um, his energy consumption was very off. He was kind of squeezing in the wrong points. Wasn't supposed to be squeezing so much against the cage. Kind of just lean on him, let him carry a body weight. But instead, he kind of forced the issue a mm-hmm. little bit too much. And as a wrestler, I know how taxing that is. I was like, there's no way this guy could do that for 25 minutes. Nobody, humanly possible, without some extra yeah. um, stuff. You know, the, the subs can, can do that. This <laughs> yeah. is just an insane pace, you know? But um, again, I he should have probably taken a, an easier fight, but this Gillespie's a sleeper, man. People don't really know much about him, but that guy's a workhorse. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're about to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me ask you something, man, because I feel like this is a strange fight in the setup because you have two different, you have momentums going different directions. Yep. So you don't see that that often. You see it more and more these days, but back in the day, it was always guys on winning streaks of face, guys on losing streaks of face. Does it matter? Like, do, how much of the previous, when you had a two-fight losing streak, how much did it matter to you who you were facing? Like, it, did it matter if the guy was surging, if he was winning six in a row, would it have mattered to you? I mean, it didn't, but it did at the same time because I know if you lost to that guy, then you it almost kind of crushes your ego a little bit. Like, ah, oh, man, I'm really yeah. just don't belong at the top of the pack anymore. If you got this guy coming up who still hasn't fought no one in the top ten. And you're how old right now? I'm 30. 30, okay. So <clears> you, were, and, you were, what, 28-ish when that... When the re- when the reclamation began, right? yeah, when you get back much. on the winning track, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the other side of it is like if you if you don't get that, it's it's I think it's just very tough depending on the, mm-hmm. the individual and how you approach the, the the game. Your whole mental is super important because if this if he loses, I can only imagine what that's what that can potentially yeah. do to him from here on out. I think at this point he probably gets one more and and then that's it. There's did very you, few people who recover from did that. Did you guys see Cub Swanson against Cron Gracie? Right. He yes. wins. And he could barely hold back the tears. I know. Because all he wanted, it wasn't just a win for win's sake. It's like, dude, can I do this? Right. Anymore. Can yeah. I, Imagine when it's here? like being, pulling back a bowstring and letting go, right? Like, it's just these guys are the psychology heading into a fight when you're on a losing streak, I presume. But I know from the outside looking in, the psychology is always the, especially when you're going against a guy like Gillespie, who people project to be kind of a problem in the division who might be a champion someday. Everybody expects you to lose. Like, the psychology of Vegas expects you to lose. The fans are talking about it like you're kind of doomed. There's a sense that there's a dark cloud over the whole thing. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like that's the, uh, the, the strangest part about this Kevin Lee fight. It's like you take it, but the psychology is all wrong for you. This, everything going on in this fight around it is just like, oof, this, yeah. this looks bad for but you. But the you weird know? part for me, and this is the one I have a little hard time with, it's Till is the first fighter that Kevin Ga- Kelvin Gaslam has fought that's younger than him in the UFC. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he's faced a younger opponent. He's, what, 25, 26? Something wow. like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you got Kevin Lee, who's, I think, what, 27? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're about to bury these guys? Wow. Like, because both could lose. Both could absolutely lose this weekend, and then, oh, well, that's it for them. Why? I, I even said this, I even it, said this to Kevin. It won't be, though. I said, this, but I said this to Kevin Lee yesterday. <laughs> he was like, oh, I've got to get my mind right, and da-da-da-da. I'm like, Kevin, why can't we just say this? You faced a guy in Ally Quinto who had a better jab, right? And you couldn't finish him from the back. Why can't we say you went to RDA, you yeah. had a bad strategy, and you're still working out your game? You're 27, was your game as good at 27 as it is now? Oh, not at all. So this is what I'm saying. It's like, why can't it just be you're young yeah. and getting better? Why no, do we have true. to put these like, this is it, oh my God, blah, blah, blah narratives? It seems oppressive and, and actually that's, wrong. But it is the way it is. I mean, that's just the way it's set up. I agree with you. And you've done a good job, I'd say, over, over time of making, you know, kind of educating, like, hey, this isn't the end. And we've seen it in MMA a million times. It's not like boxing. Arlovsky's on this card. You know how many times? Exactly. Including me. 
Have like at least three times that dude has yeah. been down, and all of a sudden he's back. It's it's crazy, right? Yeah, he has all these resurgences. I, I, I remember you you lost like two in a row, but you yeah. had three out of four. I can remember people talking about you that way. Yeah, they were like, you know, maybe they, you weren't going to be the champ or whatever that they thought. I mean, he, look he at goes you now, for everybody. Yeah. I know four in a row, right? Really young, and you know, I went with strategies that I did not think would hurt me. You know, I did things that just. Now I know with the experience looking back, like, all right, this is the proper way you should have handled that. If I had done it this way, maybe it was a yeah. different a different outcome. But at this at the end of the day, those are the fights you need to grow. Mm-hmm. So even with Kevin Lee, man, I, I think uh even I think a three round Kevin Lee is so much tougher and harder to mm-hmm. deal with than a five round Kevin Lee, because mm-hmm. you know he always has those gas tank issues in those big fights like that. Um that's why that's a good point. Uh, he has a good chance with this one. He's bigger than Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Gillespie's not the biggest 55er. He's on the smaller side for sure. And um, I think that could play a big factor in, the, in this fight as well. But I think everything, like you said, has mm-hmm. to come down to the psychology. Two losses and in a pretty big way, too. It's not like, yeah, you know. Have you ever trained with Gillespie? Um, we did when, we, when he first started. I don't think he even had, you know, he didn't even have a fight yet. Okay. Um, but the guy is very... He's intense, bro. He's an eccentric. Intense. He's very committed. <laughs> and even like, back then, I think I was 5-0 and at the time, and uh, I submitted him a couple of times, and <laughs> he was getting, like, pissed at me. I was like, dude, I would hope that I could yeah. submit you. I'm like, but, you know, he was a national champ yeah. a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. I think four he's times a competitor. Yeah, very competitive, which I respect, 100% respect. But I was like, yeah, but you should want it to, like, figure out, yeah. like, what I'm doing so that you can use that against me the next time. And I was like, dude, this is like, kind of a little bit of a weird relationship. I mean, we don't – we have yeah, we haven't trained since then together. Mm. It's uh, way to go, Aljamain. You ever go fishing? No, we're, with talk, him? We're, 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 we're cordial guys. We're cordial guys. So I yeah. respect his game. I know he's a very tough dude. I would love to still train with him, but um, I'm sure he's probably a much different space back then. You know, he's probably looking yeah. at me like this D3 wrestler. I should squash him with just one hand or right, something like that. Right, right. And all the bigger guy, too. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about the Kevin Lee fight, too. The one thing we haven't gotten into is the Faraz hobby angle. Spoke to Faraz yesterday, and I was like, I know, I know you're not going to give away the game plan, but hey, what's the game plan? It's my favorite question to ask. <laughs> and he was like, look, man, it's not a secret. Like, we're going to stuff the takedown. We're going to strike with this guy. Like, we're not going. Yes, you have to fight fire with fire a little bit, obviously. Yeah, you can't. Mm-hmm. It's un- It would be weird to go into a Gregor Gillespie fight thinking, we don't have to wrestle. Like, you're going to have to <laughs> wrestle, obviously. But they were like, we're not going to play his game. We're not going to get into this. We're just going to. You know, Dustin Poirier got into this position with Habib where he was like, okay, my biggest task is yeah. to get on my feet. But if that's your biggest task, there's there's no offense. Right. Like yeah. you're, you have nothing behind that. They want to avoid that space. What do you think about the addition of Faraz Zahabi in this whole equation? It is a it big doesn't one. Doesn't hurt, I like. man. I mean, I, I feel like that guy's track record speaks for itself. Um, I feel like I like him for the reason you said. He's not. He's not like other guys. I don't feel like he's dealing in superstitions, and he's not dealing in like uh, worried about telegraphing what he wants to do. You know, he's pretty open about stuff, and uh, I think he's a good game planner. Obviously, with GSP working with GSP all that time, one of the best game planners going. Man, I feel like he. I, I trust. I, I would trust his game plan if I'm going into a fight. Yeah, uh, this, yeah, definitely a big addition, especially with the loss of his uh, former head coach Robert Fallis. So mm. uh, I think he was missing that key factor of, of a coach being in his ear yeah. and really keeping him dialed in in those big moment fights that uh, probably could have maybe even gone the other way if had his coach been yeah. there. We never know. We would never know. That's a um, good point, man. So just having a, yeah. a new figure to look forward to and having GSP to help you out and things like that, it definitely can't hurt for sure. Um, again, it's going to come down to what's his approach? Can he follow the game plan? And can he implement the game plan? You know, if, uh, Gregor is not going to be sitting there just not – he's going to be chain wrestling over and over and over. And he's nice and tight with his hands. Fires those combinations down, and then boom, right, mm-hmm. after, right after that is coming a shot. So he's got to be ready for, for that constant 
three, four change of uh, chain wrestling constantly. So how, how, he's got to be able to deal with that. How big of a win do you think it is for Gillespie if he beats Kevin Lee? Like in terms of where does that put him in the division? I think that definitely puts him in the top ten for sure. Uh, Kevin Lee's good, and that division is so crazy because then you have Lee who, who smashes Barbosa, um, Barbosa smashes Hooker, yeah. and then Hooker gets into a crazy fight with Al, beats Al, and then you have uh, Tony Ferguson. So it's just like you got all these guys. You got Michael mm-hmm. Johnson who knocked out like three of the four. Uh, f- top Poirier. Yeah, Poirier. He knocked out. Um, he finished Barbosa. He finished. Yep. There was another guy. Oh, he beat Ferguson too, I think. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, so it's just like you. It doesn't make any sense sometimes. So I know that was a couple of years ago, but that division is just full of killers. Anybody could be anybody yeah. on any given day. So I do think a win over Kevin Lee would put him in that top ten for sure and let the let the rest of the division know like Gregory Gillespie has arrived. He's kind of a strange case because he doesn't really like cameras. He doesn't want people nope. around. He doesn't really <laughs> like people talking to him. Like it's just in general, he's kind of an eccentric guy. And I asked him yesterday, I was like, don't you worry a little bit about like your ascension then like if you if you're going toward a title obviously you're going to have to deal with more of this and he's like he basically kind of shrugged the question off but you can tell that this is kind of at odds with who he is too to get this kind of madison square garden he's going to go he wouldn't look kevin lee in the eye yeah he's just a different cat man so i there there's 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 that kind of thing that's kind of fascinating about him too is this his personality and like how he handles himself as he goes forward the, uh, the other part about it is he's, you know, I asked him, why did you do the call out? You know, and you would think, oh, the answer is to get an opponent. Sort of. But he kept, <laughs> the answer is yes. But he kept telling me, he's like, honestly, really, you know why I did the call out? Because people thought I didn't want to fight. I wanted to show people I wanted to fight. I'm like, so it's less about getting that's an right. opponent and more just proving to people that you wanted to be active. He's like, yeah, that's it. I just wanted, I, I, people think I didn't want to fight. I want to fight. That's he's, it. He's got a very black and white way of thinking about these things. It's, it's weird. Because like, I asked him, I was like, is this a new call out culture yeah. for you? He's like, no, I. He's, the dude had cereal with no milk in it. I mean, what are you, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Uh, and, we're, and we're talking about BMFs and other, like, that's the BMF. Yeah. I actually asked him about that. I'm like, why did you put no milk in there? He's like, I don't eat cereal with milk. I go, how do you not eat cereal with milk? He doesn't use a spoon. He's like Cookie Monster. He just takes it like this and then shoves it in his mouth and it just You probably know everywhere. better than me, but I feel like any, any question you ask him, you're going to get a weird answer. Dude, like you're going to get gonna... super... <laughs> sure. I, didn't, I, didn't, like... I want to ask about his tattoos. Like, if you yeah. all see all the oh, black yeah, and gray yeah. work he's got, yeah. I can only imagine what the story is there, bro. He's in, like, some, <laughs> you know, motorcycle gang or something. Oh, yeah. man. The guy works his ass off. That guy, when I say... His I, I, motor I, is yeah, legit. He does not stop. He's running extra miles after training sessions, sparring, whatnot. He's, he gets on the bike or he gets on the treadmill. That's why I was like, this is a scary fight for a guy like yeah. Lee because, you know, if I see that weakness, I'm like, I can't wait to keep pushing that button to see how quickly yeah. or how soon can I get you to break and uh, get you out of there. Yeah. Last question before we move on. When, when you were, I'm sure you helped Al prep for the Kevin Lee fight. What were you guys thinking were the, were the keys to beat Kevin Lee at the time? Well, we knew he wasn't going to submit him. It was like if he gets his back, all he has to do mm-hmm. is, you know, by this time, he's going to burn his legs out, which he normally does. He did that the first time they fought. And, uh, and that was a five-round main event, for folks who remember. Yeah, the first one was a three, and then this one was a uh, right. five-round main event in Wisconsin. Right. And uh, after that, it was just like, yeah, what's he going to do? He's going to come with the tricky head kick because uh, mm-hmm. he comes out of nowhere. He's fast. He's explosive. So I was mimicking that for him, throwing the head kick out of nowhere. And um, I had just have it now just working on his stuff mm-hmm. and uh, with Ray watching and, and whatnot. So the, the main thing was trust our hands, keep the pressure on him, keep pushing him backwards. And uh, anything he checks is kind of just it's just that, that, that attitude. You just have to have that. And... You know, it's yeah. weird that, that sometimes I, sometimes I ask fighters like, "What was the game plan afterwards?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of them is, "Let this guy fall. Let this guy fail." Yeah. Rather than break him, it's uh, if he keeps doing his out. own things that right. he likes to do, 
he will he will make himself yeah. fail. Yeah, uh, that's a weird that's a weird thing to hear sometimes. In any event, speaking of weird, let's talk about Johnny Walker. How about that, gentlemen? <laughs> did you see the uh, Did you see the face off yesterday? Yeah, with the yeah. So he like falls like the like he's getting on stage and he gets up. You know who he 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 makes faces like Jim Carrey makes he does. faces. Yes. He does, man. He's able to manipulate the, his grill in a way that is yeah. like really very interesting. Strange. What do you make of this character? Did you, did you talk to him yesterday? I did talk to him, and I and was, he speaks like very good he English. He does. He does, and um, it was actually I was a little surprised. He was a little more subdued actually than I thought. But then the moment you kind of like get off record and so he's right back into his zany self. I just feel like he he knows what he's doing. He's a big picture kind of guy, and I feel like he he has the audacity. You know, you have to have that kind of thing going on, um, and he has kind of the showmanship of uh, of some of these guys. I've been enjoying him, man. I mean. The fact that he comes from a dancing background, just some of that weird stuff, and he's like, you know, he comes out stripping and all this stuff on his... I, I, I find all of that stuff just to be... It, the fight game has all kinds, and you get this guy, and anything that can draw attention like that. But what I really like is he's casting doubt. I love this. When you start to cast doubt over a champ, an existing champion, any, any of the big names that come up, right, they're already kind of planting the seeds for a potential fight with the guy who's the champion. He's been talking about John Jones for a long time, and obviously... It seems like he's a little too green. You haven't seen enough evidence of that he's ready for something like that. Maybe this fight will tell us more. But um, he's been planting those seeds, man. And it's just like you kind of latch on to a guy's confidence when you hear him talking like that. And I feel like he's got a lot of that, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, I agree. <laughs> There's really not much for me to say on that. So yeah. you went to – you bri- remind me of your background with John Jones. You briefly went to the same college together? So – he was coming from Iowa Central, I believe it was, yep. where he oh, was wrestling. Right. Yeah. He got a scholarship, I think, something like that. Uh, he was a national champion that year, and something happened where I guess he got kicked out or he was leaving. Something happened. So he ended up at Mooresville. I didn't know who the guy was, but everyone kept talking about him that was on the wrestling team. So I was like, all right, I can't wait to meet this mm-hmm. guy. I have no idea what he can do or whatever. And uh, I get to the room the first time. It was an open mat, and we had a returning All-American there, and he just tooled him. I never seen anything like mm-hmm. it. I was like, this is high-level wrestling. You see this in, like, videos. But this was, like, right there in front of me, foot-sweeping him, tossing him to the side, um, uh, double overhooks and suplexing him. I'm like, dude, this guy is a freak of nature. And uh, sure enough, he, he didn't get to compete. But he recorded, I think, my first or my second wrestling match in, uh, in college. And he ended up not finishing this. He finished the semester, didn't come back. I guess that's when he just got his uh, fiance pregnant or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I transferred to Cortland. And he was training right down the block. I saw his videos and stuff that he was posting. I hit him up, and he told me where he's training. I was like, dude, no shit. Like, I, I mm-hmm. go to school right here. Can I come down? He didn't think I was going to come down. And I, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, I won't say the exact words. It was on MySpace. But he did tell me, like, man, you're not. You're full of shit, pretty much. You're not coming down. And came down, and I haven't stopped since, so. Interesting. Now, given all of that, and you've seen, you, you've known him much longer than the rest of us. Yeah. You see where he's at today. You consider Johnny Walker a potential threat to him? I, I don't know what Johnny Walker can do. Yeah. And I think That's Corey Anderson thing. says it the right way. He's he's mortal. He has been finished. It's not like a John Jones where we've never really seen him tested besides that one uh, Gustafsson fight. And we all know. Well, hold on now. Tiago Santos took a card from him. No one's ever done that before. It was Remember, it was a split decision. Yeah. You don't. I no, I didn't think he. All right, deserved fair that. enough. I didn't think he deserved that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I mean to like, cut you off. I apologize. Yeah, I was kind of confused how that was even a split. I was like, dude, really? Yeah. Like, what fight were you watching? To your point, not many people have done it. Yeah, and uh, again, he just never really has taken significant damage. He's always in the driver's seat with every single fight that he steps in there with. So, um, with Johnny Walker, we haven't seen that. We know if he hits you though, that can be lights out really quick. 
And I think John could take a shot. At least we've seen that yeah. in the past. So I think it's a good matchup. Whether or not he has the tools and the versatility to, to fight a guy like John, John doesn't have, at least doesn't show the power that uh, Johnny Walker does. So that's what makes it a very interesting fight. So it's hard for me to say um, without evidence. I don't, I don't know what I'm basing off of. Just yeah. these quick knockouts. I mean, we've seen that before. I mean, Cody Garbrandt, we've seen that before, right? So it's like you can't really. I feel like for the UFC, the task was just finding him a sexy matchup, you know, because it's like right now he's had a couple of guys in a row where I think they weren't like the, the, the types of matchup. It wasn't like Daniel Cormier. It wasn't even the Gustafson fight with John Jones, the second one. You know, it didn't really have the, the same luster as some of the, like the Cormier or something like that. Yeah. You want to see some doubt cast on it. At least if there's a guy out there just completely waxing guys in the first round, like Walker's doing. Now, obviously, this, this weekend will tell us a lot. I don't know if he'll be able to do that against Anderson, but. I think that that's kind of more in play. You know, they want to get somebody who can market it because I think right now with Dominic Reyes, who's who's obviously a a beast. You know, he's a good he's a good fighter, but you kind of understand John Jones's sentiment on it a little bit. He's like, you know, man, what do I gain from this? It just feels like you're just you're just knocking off the next woodwork guy who comes through, or the next guy in the merit chain. He probably wants to get a guy who's going to uh, have some inherent like marketing behind him and just has yeah. that kind of that uh, that kind of highlight reel stuff that he can plug in and cast doubt on the situation. Speaking of Dominic Reyes, obviously he had a win over Chris Weidman. Given how well Dominic Reyes looked good, you know he really looked good. I mean, he's a short fight, I suppose, but he did what he was supposed to do. What kind of chance do you give Dominic against John Jones? I think he's, I think he's one of the better guys. I would say because we've seen more from him, so we could kind of pick the matchup a little bit better and kind of break down some things that he does well, some things that he doesn't. Um, I think him being a southpaw poses a lot of trouble. I think him being another big guy, I think he's 6'4", 6'5". Mm-hmm. So he's a pretty big dude himself. He won't have the size advantage. I mean, we've seen that with the Gustafsson fight, so that could play a little bit of a, an issue for, for John. He fought Tiago Santos, but he was also an 80 fighter coming up to 205, you know, just having kind of that resurgence at 205. So it was a little different. He was a smaller guy. I think if he fights another bigger guy who has the power to crack and put you away, I think he's a little bit more dangerous. Even like Anthony Smith, same thing. You know, he was, he was beating these guys, mm-hmm. but he's not on the bigger side of the 205 weight class where John is a pretty big dude. I think he, I think he could get at least up to like 230, 240 yeah. if he really, really wanted to. You know? That's so, true. Um, he's, a, he's, a big, he's a big rangy guy, and I think you need a guy who can kind of match that physique and that, that physical attribute that he has and can actually pop yeah. and put you away. Before we get to Corey Edison, very quickly, let me make sure I get another plug-in for our wonderful sponsors here at Roots of Fight. Look at this shirt, Iron yeah. Mike Tyson. If you don't like Iron Mike Tyson, you can GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> but first, before you GTFO, you can get 20% off using the code MORNING20. This is not merely on this t-shirt. It is any apparel in the store right now. That, for folks who can't do math, that's one out of every $5 taken off. So... <laughs> Bye. Bye. Look at that. Iron Mike Tyson. Boy. Speaking of BMFs, Mm -hmm. I was a kid when uh, Mike Tyson's punch out was the game to play. This is one you want to get. So there we go. Uh, Good friends at uh, Roots of Fight. Let's talk about Corey Anderson. Here's a guy, people don't realize this. He's on a three fight win streak. Yeah. He's on a three fight win streak, beating Ilir Latifi and other good Mm -hmm. fighters. And there's just not a ton of buzz. And then this week, it is for Johnny Walker, but not. Consider. I asked you guys, how would Johnny Walker do against John Jones? He hasn't even fought the right. guy yet. How would Dominic Reyes? Now, he won. He's a bit more of a known commodity. But there's not really a lot of consideration for Corey. And Corey then gets and they've up, even had some bad blood with each other. They, they did. And then Corey gets out in the, the week ahead and says, you know, UFC management basically told me I don't move the needle, and I kind of guess I have to look out for myself. Isn't this card? It's so weird. The two guys at the top, I mean, yes, they have the UFC push now, 
but they kind of just took matters into their own hands. Yes. Why doesn't, I want to start with Chuck on this one if I may, Aljamain. Why doesn't it dawn on fighters earlier? Like, I'm not, the UFC is not your enemy by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not necessarily man. your friend either, man. I think it's sometimes, like, especially for guys like Corey Anderson, I'm not sure he has the iconoclastic kind of persona. You know, I'm not sure he has that. I don't think he wants to fight the man all the time. I think it's just one of those things he felt like he's, he's not getting the respect, and finally that comes out. Like, but it's more of a defensive mechanism because he's being set up to fail, basically, in a position like this. Whereas those other guys, I almost feel like Nate Diaz always has some kind of bigger issue he's battling. It's not just the guy in front of him. He's always going against the UFC. He's always going against USADA. He's always going against somebody, right? Like, it's, there's, always a, there's always a bigger uh, um, sentiment in play. So I think that's just who he is. I think guys like that, that's who he is. Whereas Masvidal, I felt like we had to kind of pop the lid off and figure out wh- who he is after all this time. And then, as we discussed earlier, it just kind of came about. Now he's coupled into the situation. But most guys just don't really have that. Would you? I mean, do you think so? I mean, I, I feel like that's some guys have this, uh, I don't know, like some well, kind of like renegade spirit to them when they start. I just don't feel like this, I mean, all first fighters of all, he started out with Beast in 25-8. Not that's a, true. Not a great nickname. <laughs> Although everybody loved it. Uh, not a great nickname. He's now over time, <laughs> which is much better. But look, to answer your question, does he strike me as a guy you could like yeah. build a franchise around? Not necessarily, but getting to my point earlier, did it occur to people three years ago that Jorge Masvidal was one of those guys? That's maybe, true. Maybe you would have thought he would be a little bit more ripe as a candidate. My point being is, you don't. The, the storytelling doesn't happen until you really ascend. Yeah, that's true. And then you get to know people better. Like Corey Anderson, do I really know his story? I do not. And I know he came from the Ultimate Fighter too. Yeah. I do not. So what? What? You, you're a fighter, the UFC. You, you, here you are, and you're in a really unique position because you're basically owed a title shot. But we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. How do you see Corey Anderson's issues as well as your future? How do you how do you navigate this space? Well, one, it starts with your fight style. That's that's yeah. always going to be number one. I mean, you could try to John Fitch it and go on a, a ten fight win streak and not get that rematch that yeah. you really do deserve. You know, and just keep fighting everybody till they can't deny you, like a Kamaru Usman. So it depends on how which way he wants to play it. I mean, some people want to stick to their guns and do things their way. I understand it, but. At the end of the day, you got to start eventually learning how to play the game. Otherwise, you're fighting a losing battle. You can't beat the UFC. It's their company. There's no way he's going to be able to mm-hmm. outgun them and say, you know what, I'm going to do this my way. and You're going to give me what I earned because guess what? I mean, he does deserve it, but at the end of the day, they decide who gets what title shot. You know, so it's, uh, it's yeah. a very tough and unique situation. I remember I had a little thing like that when I was in the free agency period and, you know, I was having some pushback with them and we butted heads a couple of times and, uh, you know, things started to get a little <laughs> bit go the, like, left. Like, things got taken out of proportion and spun. People were twisting my words and things like that and I was like, you know what, man, I just, just want to fight, make my money. If I got to do it the hard way, I'll just do it the hard way because, again, I start to learn, like, you know what, man, I'm just wasting time of my youth when I could just be out there competing and building my case with my hands, you know? So yeah. it's a different different mindset. And I think Corey's starting to realize, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing me. So he said that in his interview, and I was like, you know what, I, I appreciate it. But at the same time, if you want to get there faster, you got to do something or say something that's going to get the fans to care. Because right now, even Kobe Covington winning all these fights, no one gave a shit mm-hmm. until he changed it up and he puts on the MAGA hat and... You know, the, the belt, and he's got the girls rubbing his shoulders and things like that. And now all of a sudden, he's this new persona yeah. that everyone loves to hate, and they want to they wanna watch him to see if he's going to get beat up. But the guy can fight. Corey Anderson can fight. I'm not saying go that route, but try to see what's, what can be you, and let's just turn the volume a little bit see how that works out. What, what do you think uh, Johnny Walker win? Let's say he gets a spectacular win against him. 
What does that do for him? Does it really put him in the John Jones sweepstakes? It doesn't feel like it does, but maybe I'm misunderstanding it. Yeah, well, Corey's ranked what, third or fourth? He's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Dominic Reyes was ranked fourth. So I think he's definitely top five. I think that puts him in the top five. He's got a good following. I think um, he's got a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that he does, the weird facial things, and he's got a just people like him because he's entertaining. Yeah. You know, so they kind of they can gravitate to that. So uh, I think Johnny Walker wins this. He's in a much better position than, or at least where Corey Anderson is now. He at least takes that hmm. that spot and maybe another fight, or if not, that fight could be the one at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that you mentioned the three-fight winning streak. Unfortunately for him, they're all decisions. I don't feel like people, they don't resonate in the same way. Like, people aren't going around talking about those decisions, even though he's looked good, man. He's looked very good. It's hard to say, man, because if he goes in there and does that to Johnny Walker, I feel like there would also be this asterisk to put to, well, Johnny Walker, he's, you know, we were kind of inflating him a little bit. You know, he probably shouldn't have been. No, damned if you you do, damned if you don't. You know how the fight game works, man. It's always the way it works. So, I don't know if it would. Uh, I don't think he gets in the John Jones sweepstakes. Even uh, as crazy as it is, I think uh, Dominic Reyes at that point would probably be the the guy unless they figure out some kind of super fight or a heavyweight fight or something. But um, but the opposite end, I could see them if it's Johnny Walker getting another one. I could see them doing it just because they would have this cumulative little body of work to kind of put in there yeah. against Jones. Reyes Reyes even brought up a good point when he was on. Uh, he did an interview after his fight with Weidman, and he was just talking about he just felt like he was just keeps getting set up to lose. Like, they just think that he's not going to beat these guys. And it's kind of like the same thing with uh, Corey Anderson. So that's the hard part. It's like almost there is no clear-cut contender Mm -hmm. for any matchup where the UFC is going to be like, all right, if you win this fight, you're for sure going to be the next guy. So for for a Reyes, for a Corey Anderson, we really just don't know. Johnny Walker, we really don't know. It's it's really, really, really tough to say right now in that light heavyweight division. It's kind of that void, especially since DC left it. It's there's yeah. nobody else to really move that needle to be like all right. Although I think it was September 9th that John Jones tweeted out like, "Stay tuned, news coming." Big right now. Remember this big announcement? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. sitting here waiting two months later, still nothing. It's yeah. like, I am buckled in, John. <laughs> We're waiting. We're still waiting. Yeah. Uh, and tell me another fight on this card. You got your eye on anywhere? Doesn't matter where Ooh. it is on the card. You want to go first? No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I like the Shane Burgos fight. <sighs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> they had the best stare down. It's him yeah. versus uh, Amir. Uh, uh, I can't always get his name wrong. Uh, Makwan Amir Khani. Yes. Yeah. And uh, those dudes' careers mirror each other in these weird ways. They're both, I think, five and one in the UFC. Like they've had, you know, one loss against tough guys. You know, and I just I feel like that's going to be a good fight, just given who they are. But I like I like Shane, man. Like he just. I just style. Like, yeah, his, his style. style. He likes to go in there and, and bang, and I, I think that's going to be a good fight. Tell me why you like it. That was well, the one you were going to pick? Yeah, that was yeah. the one I was going to pick. I think Shane, go first. Yeah, his <laughs> boxing style is just super fun to watch. It's the hands down, you know, just slipping in and out, coming back with the, the yeah. combinations, and it's just crisp boxing, something I definitely appreciate. And for you to be able to do that in MMA and not really have a worry about the head kick coming when you slip and coming back with that, um, that type of intensity, is, it's just super fun to watch, man. I remember watching him at the Coliseum. That was my first time watching him live. Yeah. I was like, this is a different feel. He just walked his opponent down the entire time. And I think he dropped him, I think, four four or five times, man. It was insane. Yeah. Just, is that a Shane Burgos thing, or is that a Tiger Shulman thing? Like, how much is that? Well, they all kind of have that same um, slipping style. When I fought Rivera, mm-hmm. it was the very same thing, and we prepared for that because we knew he was very well disciplined. We knew if we threw anything at him, he was going to slip and come back with two or three punches, possibly even four. So you have to use a lot of feints. <clears throat> now, with Burgos... Is the same thing, except Burgos is actually walking you down, as opposed to Rivera, who kind of just sits in the pockets and, and wait. Burgos mm-hmm. is walking you down, kind of like that that boogeyman type of feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, now mm-hmm. you got uh, Makwan, 
who's got really good oh, grappling. Yeah. He, I know he said he did boxing. He took a couple of boxing fights in between his layoff. And, uh, I mean, we haven't really seen much of it yet, but I'm really interested to see how that's going to match up against a guy who's known for, for his hands and his combinations. Counter-striking, just a very high, high output and um, fun fighter yeah. to watch. Y'all got me sold on that one. Yeah. All right. I uh, like that. Even when it was, is it Qatar or Cater? Cater. Cater. When, when Cater fought uh, uh, Burgos in Boston, even in that fight when he was getting pieced up with the jab and all that, I just love the dog in him because you yeah. just see him getting madder each time and just kind of yeah. going in there. I love that type of thing. And it's a He's got that sort of thing to him, you know. You know what? And I, these guys, um, it's a relentless belief in his style. Yeah. You know, I think you yeah. can't walk a guy down like that if you don't believe this is going to work, right? And that yeah. was just it. It was just like it was, he wasn't going to be told. Otherwise, even in real action, it was like he was going to keep coming. Uh, I would say a couple of the fights I have my eye on this one, very quietly, Derek Lewis is back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis is back. And he had a face-off with Blagoy Ivanov. Did you see the face-off? I didn't Dude, see that Dude, Ivanov one. looked like he was terrified. Yeah. Now, it may just be like maybe, <laughs> maybe he had to take a dump or... <laughs> You know, he had a bad chicken All sandwich, or, or yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, this guy, yeah. this is a guy who got stabbed and, like, lived, and now is not fighting crazy. MMA. I doubt he's afraid of much. I'm just saying that's what it looked, <laughs> what it looked like. Yeah. Derek right. Henry, or Derek Henry, Derek Lewis made a point to, like, go after Greg Hardy in the media oh, yesterday. Yeah. Would you not, if, if Derek Lewis, by the way, if this is his, uh, this is a big, you know, there's constant questions about, you know, is his back okay? Can he keep doing this? How much longer is he going to keep doing this? It would be a shame if he never fought Greg Hardy. Right. That is an easy fight to make, frankly, for both guys. How much would you want to see that one ahead of... Hardy's booked to fight Volkov, right? Yes. I would much rather see... If you could do it right now, I'd much rather see that fight, right? Buddy, that would be... Because he he was going after him for, you know, obviously his domestic violence past and... You know, it's if he beats Volkov, it seems like a reasonable test against Derek Lewis, does it not? I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe I'm missing something, but that seems like a fun one. Uh, the one that I really have my eye on for uh, for the prelim card, aside from Johnny, because folks forget, yeah, I believe this is right, Johnny Walker and um, and it's a prelim against, yeah, it's uh, against the main event of the prelims, ma- the main event, which is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we think it's a thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's going to be uh, Edmund Shabazi and Brad Tavares. That's right. Dude, Edmund Shabazian, yeah. when, when Ronda left Glendale and then Travis kind of flamed out, whatever he was doing, and then Jake Ellenberger didn't have much success over there, people were like, that's a, that's a club where nothing good True. happens. And then here comes Edmund Shabazian, who is just roasting these fools. You're right. And not just with his striking. He out-wrestled Darren Stewart effectively. He came back in his last fight. I forget who he fought. He beat him in a round. Brad Tavares is no joke. I mean, he, Adesanya went the distance with him. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a three-round fight versus a five. But we're talking about, we always see these questions. Who are the next stars? Who are the next stars? Well, I don't know if Edmund Shabazian is. But if you beat Brad Tavares, this, like he's 20, he'll be 22 soon. He's 21 right now. You beat a guy like Brad Tavares at that point in your career, yeah. dude, you are cooking with yeah. gas That's at true, that man. point, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that is a, like, this is not one of those fights where you're like, oh, it'll set him up for stardom. That's one of those fights you look at on the resume and you're like, dude, he beat that guy. I know. You're right. At that point in his career. It's like the meat of the... There are a lot of guys on the cusp of breaking through on this card. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the guys who are just those cusp guys, either cusp stars or cusp like you're going to believe that they're really relevant in the division. There's a lot of that on this card, which is always that always makes it a little more fun when you guys you got these guys on the radar kind of beeping as they come through. Yeah. And I feel like this card's kind of rich with that. Shabazian, is this his third fight in the company? Third or fourth, because he had the one in the Contender Series, which sort okay. of counts. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. I'm not sure exactly which number it is, but he's had, he's had, he's had, I think it's his, I think it's his, Third or fourth. I think it's his fourth. Could okay. be wrong about that. But um, 
he hasn't looked bad yeah. one time. That's a time. good push for your third fight, third or fourth fight. That's a very big name yeah. for him. For, for, like you said, a big feather in his cap if he goes out there and gets this type of win. And also, lastly about this, we talked about guys we've been wrong about before. I've been wrong about Andre Olovsky probably more than any other fighter in my yeah. career. Uh, not to say he's been, you know, no fighters above, you know, critical appraisal, but um, there's times where I thought he was for sure done, and he's kind of looked that way, and then it comes back, and then it kind of looks that way again, then comes back, and it kind of looks that way again. And uh, he looked good. He lost to Taito Ivasa. He looked pretty good. He's been, you know, I think it was at Shamil Abdurakimov. It wasn't mm-hmm. a great fight for either guy. Mm-hmm. But he's taking on this dude who has, I think, the best name in the sport, Jair Zinho Rosenstruck. <laughs> say that, I'm glad say you that said that it. Say to. that one ten <laughs> times fast. Rosenstruck. Who just looks like an absolute power-punching yeah. marauder. Here, Andre Olovsky is training hard with Phil DeRue out of American Top Team. Mm, that's right. I'm not sure what to make of this fight. I don't know if this guy is the next. I mean, How could clearly you? they're giving Andre this rub yeah. to say, um, hey, is this next guy any good? Andre's sort of like that test case guy. It's insane. I remember being at UFC 82. Remember when they stuck him on the prelims? They kind of put him down to kind of... Against Jake O'Brien. Exactly. And we were saying at the time, like, we won't, you know, this is it. We won't see him like, in the UFC again. And here we are all these years later, like more than 10 years later, and he's still doing this. It's yeah. pretty crazy, man. It's wild, dude. <laughs> Cannot fight that long. I hope I'm done when I'm his age. I hope I'm done. Yeah. At 40. Yeah. yeah 41 are even, I think. Yeah. That's, years. Yeah. Give my body a break, you know? <laughs> dude, these heavyweights, bro, they go late. They go super <laughs> yes, late. they do, man. Um, all right. So where are you going to be fight night? I will be in the building. Oh, look at you. At MSG. Trump's, look at you. Trump's, <laughs> Trump suite? You got, you got, you're going to be in a Trump suite? Getting I might get a lot of heat if I do that. Uh, are you, you got good tickets? Uh, I don't even know where I'm sitting yet. I got tickets from, uh, from I know UFC? a guy in the UFC. You know. Oh, yeah? No how does, before we go, <laughs> before we go, how does that work with UFC? Like, sometimes you see, so they go, they'll show, like, oh, somebody gets a knockout. There's, like, a, you know, they got a minute to kill all their time, and they'll show people in the crowd. Sometimes I see you. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I see another fighter, blah, blah, blah. Who decides who sits where? Who get, how do you get those tickets? That I don't know who decides who's going to get the FaceTime and all that. Um, I just reach out. To, I, forget, I don't even know what her position is, but you know, I tell them coming. If there's tickets, if not, then I just don't go. And they're usually like pretty close to octagon side. Usually right? pretty good, and I think it's kind of a like a, a merit type of base where if you're mm-hmm. like higher up, you get better seats. If you're maybe like entry level or just getting there, you kind of get further back seats in another section. But I've been through. I've been through the fire. I've been through the ranks. I yeah. my way I was up. Say, so we can judge then what they think of Alderman by his seat. George yeah. Movie. Now we'll know. <laughs> this is what you feel about me. If there's, if there's, like the 10, if there's ten rows in front of you, Alderman, you're kind of playing your card there a little bit. Uh, you know, it's funny. I saw last thing I saw Joe Benavidez yesterday, nice. and it's funny. He's not even injured, and you and him have the exact same posture about what's next. They're like, yeah, no idea, no clue, no idea when I'm going to yeah. get a title fight. Doesn't really. He was there doing stuff for a dapper scrapper. Right. That's the yeah. thing that he does. It's kind of a weird spot to be in right now. Yeah, no, I, I talk about it on my podcast all the time, but um, I really, I really don't know what's going to go, what's going to happen right now. And it seems like uh, cringe judo is not really going to be one to cut back down to twenty five. I think he wants to stay up, and if he wants to stay up, cringe. I know a guy that wants to fight him, and that's myself. So, any day, I'll show you how to really bend the knee. There you go. go. There Let him know. Uh, folks want one more from you. Your podcast. What do you want to plug? Instagram, all that stuff. Let them know. Uh, the Weekly Scraps is my podcast. I do that every Mondays. You guys can check that out. Oh, I'm on this camera. Well, now you're on this one. Now, on now this you're on this one. one. This hey. Stop switching it, Jay. <laughs> the Weekly Scraps, you guys can check that out. We do that every Monday. And uh, you can find me on the Twitter or Instagram <laughs> at FunkMasterMMA. And uh, yeah, hit me up. I comment back. I comment back. There you go. He lets him know. Uh, again, one more time. Our good friends over at Roots of Fight, as I talk over my mouth. This is another George St. Pierre two-division champ sweater. 
the promo code MORNING20, MORNING, the number two and the number zero, 20% off, not merely this or anything else I've shown you, the entire array of gear from Roots of Fight, which by the way, they are not merely OGs in the game, they are the uh, premier, I think apparel sponsor for, or apparel brand rather, for uh, not just cool gear, but like cool combat sports stuff, and there's just, there's just no one like them. Uh, social, you can yeah. follow me, let's see, on uh, Instagram, where's the thing at, they're going to put up a graphic or not, there you go, there's all of our various places on Insta. Oh. See, you did it right there, Aljamain. You have the same name in both places. Yes, yes. Chuck and I are stupid assholes. <laughs> who have First time I've been called that. <laughs> who have different names all the way around, which makes no sense, but that's just what we did. So uh, Make it easy for everybody. You certainly mm. do. Hey, man, it's been nice. You know yeah. what? I'll be honest. A lot of times you're like, well, we'll get fighters in the studio, and I'm always like, I don't know how this is going to go, because yeah. two reasons. One, a lot of them are not all that media trained, and two, they pull their punches. But you, my friend, are media savvy, and you don't pull the punches. Maybe with the right hand right now, but that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Great job. Thank yeah, you. Good, job. good yeah, getting you fun. here. Uh, enjoy UFC 244. Are you guys, so where are you guys watching? Bro, I'll be in the media room like a loser. <laughs> no one cares where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the media room like a loser. I'll actually, you know what? I prefer the media room. I'll yeah. tell you why. Because when you're out on the floor, you know, it's loud, and it's just hard to see sometimes, yes. depending on your position. Because you're sitting behind the guy with the camera on the panel. But in the media room, you get big-ass HDTV. It's, by the way, it's uh, a second or two ahead of what's on television because there's no – it's the feed from the house. Okay. So it's not getting edited. Um, and Well, there's not one well, – for TV, it's a little bit different. But um, there's food there, and then all the winning fighters come back there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you get to talk to all the fighters who win when they come back. Well, primarily so. the buffet. Primarily. And then there's that. Also, <laughs> also an endless supply of coffee, which yeah, is helpful on the East Coast fights. When and you're chocolate up chip cookies. Yes. yes. Usually. Uh, so come by the media room. If you get a chance. Yeah. All right, right, so there we have it. That's Aljamain Sterling. That is uh, Iceman, Chuck Mendenhall. I'm Luke Thomas. There'll be a show on Monday, as always, noon, reacting to everything. By the way, for uh, Brian Campbell, Canelo Kovalev, he's out in Las Vegas. And we'll be reacting to UFC 244's just, I'm guessing, what's going to be an unbelievable night. Thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time, stay frosty.